If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Good evening. It's Tuesday night, 24 hours after the first game of the season, and you've got the four Blades still in their homes to pull the bones out of uh, the Wolves' performance. And to reflect on 70-odd OK minutes, five or six terrible ones and some mere ones in between, I'm joined tonight by Dan. Evening, everyone. Philip. Hello, everyone. Ian. Hello. And I'm John. And although we all weren't overly excited about the start of the season at 10 past six last night, I don't know about anyone else, but I thoroughly wanted it to go away. I was, I was furious uncharacteristic goals conceded, the fact that my phone next to me was going wild and I wasn't at Bramall Lane all contributed to me being in a pretty bad mood. But we'll start with that first goal. Dan, what you got to say about the defending? I mean, there's a, it's a catalogue of errors, really. You can start off, obviously, with Lundstrom's lunge. Um, I, I can't understand why he thinks he's... Why, why, he's, why he's thinking of diving in on someone that early in the game. You know, if that's the 90th minute, then maybe you think, you know, I've, I've got, you know, it's kind of shit or bust here, but what, what were we, three minutes into the game? Four minutes? That far from goal as well. That far from goal. Just stand up. Just, just, just run with him. Just run alongside him into the corner. Show him into the corner. And, and that, having said that, even though he dives in on them, there's still a lot of things that have got to happen for them for that goal to go in. So even though he dives in, we've still got two or three opportunities to defend that a lot better than we did. Um, I have to say, take nothing away from the finish. It's a fantastic finish from a striker who's probably as good as anything outside the top five, six in the country. And better than some of those in them sides as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I exactly. think the stat I saw today was 40 goals in 100 games. Yeah, he's, he's outstanding. As, as plus, an all-round... Plus another double-figure assists on top. He's, 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 a, he's a class act. He's got, he's got everything, hasn't he? he has, as, as a striker, he has got everything. Like you say, he's got a lot to do, but between Lundstrom diving in and the ball coming to him, I would say there's probably two other things that didn't... But, didn't go our way is probably not the right thing. I, I think the, the crossing was a bit hopeful. I don't think he was aiming for where it ended up. But Egan and Egan and O'Connell got themselves kind of mixed up between where to go and, and it just kind of set the tone for the next five minutes, really, didn't it? The, the both both defenders were, were stranded, weren't they? Because the, the, neither of them picked up a man in the end. They, they kind of semi-shuffled across but didn't go across. And O'Connell's then gone a bit and he's, you know... It, it, there was it, what worried me was just we weren't communicating from the off really, and that's, Steve, that's Stevens worried. didn't help as well. Stevens, I mean, I think he he slowed down to so as to not foul Jimenez, but I think if he'd have continued running at pace, I think he'd have put him off to the degree that he wouldn't have been able to take the time that he did to do the finish that he did. The fact that he yeah. can side foot volley it tells you that there's no one around him. It's not yeah. a hopeful slash. He's got time to open himself up, open his foot up, and side foot. Like you say, if, if Stevens continues his run. 
there's no way that he can get that body shape with another player in such close proximity that he gets that that clean contact on it, is there? Not at all. And I mean, it, like you say, it's a great finish. There's nothing. There's nothing at all Ramsdale can do about that. But then you go on to the second one, and and Christ, where do you start with with what went wrong on that? I mean, I thought our I thought our marking was poor all game from set pieces, but this this one in particular, I don't I, I don't know what you thought as a centre half, Dan, but I actually thought Stevens and O'Connell had got uh, Stevens got himself into a bad position where he ended up marking the wrong person, and O'Connell was stranded. The wrong way around. So yeah. if if I'm if I'm assuming that's that's who O'Connell should be marking. O'Connell's further O'Connell's the wrong side of him. So yeah. O'Connell and Stevens, if they switch, there's every chance O'Connell wins that. But for him to be able to head that ball, it's got to clear everyone and Saiz and Stevens. O'Connell's essentially is essentially a spare part from where he stood. Yeah. And I think I think he almost realizes that too late, makes that attempt to, to obviously get back get himself back into position to get round to make the clearing header, and ends up actually impeding Stevens. And give Sykes a, a free header. Um, it was all. It was almost like the old, the old Chelsea set piece, the old Chelsea blocking set piece. But except we did it to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like, but he, like you say, if he doesn't block Stevens, Stevens probably gets enough body in there to to put him off. And you know, I, I'm interested in your take, Phil. Keeper's hat on. There was some criticism uh, from Gary see, Neville last night. Of, of I, I, I can see why. Love it at the time. I can see why, because of where the ball went. But it, it, and, and the reason he the reason he struggled to get back to, and across to it was because he took a slight movement to the opposite side, and as soon as he did that, he was completely wrong-footed, which is why he couldn't get back. But a, a ball goes in that area of the goal, the goalkeeper will be disappointed. He'll be disappointed seeing it back on telly, I'm sure. But I wouldn't say it's a massive criticism of him. It was just a slight movement, the wrong direction, wrong-footed him. It's not. It's not a clangor. It's one he possibly should have done better with. But it's not. A, it's not what you put down as a blatant error, is it? No, definitely not. And I think as the game went on, he clear. He more than made up for it with the save from Jimenez, and then that one late on from Saez, which I, I thought was a tremendous bit of goalkeeping. The one that he pushed yeah. onto the post. Was it the, yeah, the Saez one when when he pushed it onto the post. Again, again as as a centre half, I have to I have to kind of question Egan on that because. Mm. He seems to, it makes a really bad decision because you've got obviously you've got Jimenez running the ball, Saez outside, and Egan goes, Egan goes across to Jimenez, which basically makes his mind up for him and leaves Saez completely open. And as you see, when uh, the second Saez kind of lays, uh, Jimenez hands the ball off, O'Connell's across on the cover. So if Egan had just, as you used to say, split him, so if he just kind of stays in between, doesn't go to one or the other, and just splits him and jockeys, O'Connell's coming across the cover. But Egan can seems too eager to make the ball and, and he kind of makes his mind up for him. So, All at sea for the first five minutes. I mean, let's be honest, it's not unusual for a wilder side to start slowly. But it kind of... First, first five, ten minutes and then for the rest of that half, the defenders just... I don't know what was up with them. It was like Chelsea, first half away at Chelsea last year, I was wasn't it? I going to say that before. The, the, the organisation on the first and just the way we set up, it was all at sea exactly like that game. Um, for me, one of the big things before, and we'll try to speak a bit positive. I think this will segue quite nicely for that. But Jack Robinson started every pre-season game, and he's been we like he he proved at the back end of last season that he's a dependable um, backup to O'Connell. I think 
Osborne as well with Flake, but Robinson more so one that you'd be like, not as worried these days if Jack got injured as, as, as maybe would have been before we got Robinson. And I just thought that it's weird that we took the chance on O'Connell without the games, yet we didn't take the chance on Burge. And I, and I think when you... And, and we're talking that... So basically two players who'd been started and played a lot in pre-season and you'd, you'd ex, particularly, well, obviously, Burge is going to be playing most games when he's fit. I just felt that... I think it looked like a, a, a new defensive unit playing together for the first time. I know Burge will really fit into that, but do you know where I'm coming from? I think that's a good point, actually, about O'Connell. I've not thought about that with Robinson playing every game because it, it was basically his first game of... This is season completely. He's been he's been self isolating if if the rumours are to be believed. So, although yeah. that's ever been confirmed, does it? But no, he's also he's when we in the last what will be six months. This is the most O'Connell's been in and out of the Blades team. Like since we've had him, he's been pretty much ever present unless he was arrested for a cup game. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm cautiously. I'm not overly worried about the defence. The keeper, like you say, there was some good saves later on that can be discussed. But for me, I think what the big issues that need to be talked about are further up the pitch. But one last comment is Egan nearly had a bloody Newcastle moment again because obviously he gets himself booked. And whether it is a yellow or not, it's not debatable. But then to go over the ball like he did, it's just, it, I, I'm like, what are you doing? And it, that's somebody that I love Egan, I absolutely adore him, but people say, oh, he's going to be our future captain and stuff. And that's the sort of shit Morgan used to do, where he'd go and just crop someone for a free kick and take a yellow card when we were under no pressure and one, all of a sudden we're one nil down. And I think that was something that concerned me a little bit. It was, it was like, what's happening here? It's almost like we've made a few mistakes. Let's make, not let's make some more, but the panic sort of set in a little bit with the defenders. I think it's a panic, and I think it's just it, 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 it becomes like a bit of an overeager puppy, in that he's he's chasing stuff down, and he's not he's not thinking, and he's not doing the some of the basics sometimes. Even when we get in those positions, and then when he's got booked, he's just not learnt. But credit to Mike Dean for just having a word and letting it go because he could he could have he could have you know given him a card for it, and we'd have been we off. Have much, we wouldn't have had much room to complain if he had. There yeah. wouldn't be much we could have complimented about if he had. So that kind of tells you everything about uh, about what it was. I think um, we we could we could continue to to pull the negatives out of last night for for a lot lot longer. By the way, what I, what I'd like to sort of try and do is try and bring it round a little bit. And just me personally, I was quite impressed how we didn't completely fold. And we 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 found a way back into the game slowly, albeit first half especially because. We kept persisting with that ball down in the channel that just didn't work at all. But going into the second half, I thought we got a lot better. And, and I genuinely believe, had we been there as supporters, we'd have scored at least one goal because I think we'd have sucked the ball into the goal from the cop. But um, yeah, I, th- I thought credit to them for, for finishing 2 0 almost, if that makes sense. Well, I think as well, like what's interesting in that, Phil, as well, when, when some of the negativity was like being shared about who'd been particularly bad. Um, we can talk about John Lundstrom in a minute uh, because I think it ties nicely with Berger even though the subs didn't maybe work in the conventional way we would have thought but like Norwood actually was somebody who was at, wasn't hitting it long was trying to slow it down a few times in that first half and actually you compare how Egan behaved 
how Norwood behaved, you can actually see why Norwood is captain when Billy's not playing because it's just right. I'm just going to play a pass. I'm just going to. Well, be... Norwood played really, really well. He let himself down with his dead balls. I think he's as bad as I've ever seen from dead balls from Norwood. But I thought his all-round game. I thought he played really, really well. And then this is the problem at the moment. I feel, and I think I said I said this in our WhatsApp group last night, and I feel like this is the problem when we watch a game on TV. Without with emotion, but not like the emotion you have if we'd been at the lane last night. Two early goals, we'd, you know, if we'd come out with lost two one, it would been two two. It's completely different, obviously, completely different on TV. I feel like everything's overthought and over. I don't know if they were. Um, that's Norwood done. And it's like what because he's hit the first man with a corner. Like we went through how many. We this has been the case for however long, and we talked about one of the best goals of last season was a. Norwood corner against Wolves that Egan headed in and sometimes just when things aren't working they're not working are they for me to, to then go through the team I think we'd all agree Fleck had a pretty decent game second um, half second half yeah did really well. second half because we, we stopped hitting those balls over his head and, I think and actually he also, used him as a way to progress I think Fleck actually moved further up the pitch second half as well I think a tactic, yeah. tactical thing I think he played an extra further 10 yards forward and Ender looked better when he did that as well. Okay. We've got options. I think I think even McGoldrick coming on just again. There's certain players who bring Fleck into the game. And like I said, the, 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 the advancement of the pitch, but also certain players then start to... It, it becomes more of a linchpin, doesn't it, at that point? A couple of other little touches from, from McGoldrick when he came on last night. And just a couple of... A couple of calming bits of play, you know, he just, he, like you've said before, Phil, he buys himself that extra couple of seconds and get he plays with his head up, doesn't he? He's mm. not, doesn't, he's not one of these that just gets the ball at his feet, runs, 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 runs and, and runs it out of play. He's, he's always him, doing Him and Berger together is quite exciting because them two, they, they bounce off each other in that way, don't they? They both play with their head up. They both can go past people with ease. Neither are particularly quick, but they... they they kind of move up the pitch really quickly, don't they? I thought Berger looked like an absolute Rolls Royce when he came on. Good when he came on last night, didn't he? I think I think it was this. Sorry, John. No, no, probably you'll say the same I thing. I was going to say I thought I, I thought it was the space he made for uh, other players as well. He's thinking he he drew players in, so we actually made more progression down that right hand side, a more incisive pro- progression down that right hand side. But that was partly the way his own movement off the ball was creating space for long. Yeah, I think it's very like it's very it's very easy to slag off certain players for for not contributing last night. But what did become obvious is that there are, in the case of Berger and McGoldrick, two that we'd probably all agree would start. We we would have had them down to start if they were fit anyway. And and that also that gives me not sound like hope, like I'm depressed and I'm like looking for a shining light in it all, but. I thought I thought what Berger showed that Lundstrom was unable to do and isn't able to do is have composure whilst taking the ball forward. Whereas although Lund- Lundstrom did a couple of gut bursting runs and showed he stopped it, he didn't do that annoying little trick that annoys me. So that's one positive for Lundstrom's performance last night. But sometimes it was a bit rushed and there was some interplay between him and Baldock. And if you compare that to how Berger the Goldrick and Baldock linked up towards the end of the game. It was it was it was a different level. Right. I mean, they obviously they are different players, aren't they, Lundstrom and, and uh, Berger? They don't play they play the same position, but they, they play the role different. Lundstrom's game is all about 
energy, getting up and down, arriving into box late, making tackles, that sort of thing. Whereas Berger is a lot more, like we said, a lot more cultured. His game's more about getting on the ball, bringing other people into play and movement. So you're never going to get the same, you're never going to get the same effect from both of them. And it's a case, I mean, it might be, unless something happens in the next month and Lundstrom moves on, I, I think he'll be in, in and around the squad. So it might be a, a horses for courses type season for him where, you know, he plays in games where we need that bit more. Possibly I, I think that's the thinking behind why he started last night as well. Because Wolves break so quick and they do get up the pitch in such... Um, they kind of can get from one end of the pitch to the other really, really quickly. Yeah. He's the sort of player that can keep up with that kind of pace. Ironically, it was him <laughs> diving in after two minutes that cost the first goal. But yeah. um, I think that you're right. I think he will be there and thereabouts, sources for courses, depending on who we're playing. I think obviously, unless we get an offer for him before uh, when is it? Fifth. So let's be honest on last night's showing. Yeah, no one, no one's throwing money at him based on last night, are they? But and this is the thing. He played poorly last night, and I get that. But surely, even if he's not playing to earn himself a contract here or to keep his place here, he knows that this season now he's in the shop window. You know, mm. he knows if he's going to get this life-changing move with this these life-changing sums of money, he's got to do it. You know, a year's a long time in football and people aren't going to pay whatever he's asking, 50, 60, 70 grand for someone who was good 12 months ago. He's going to need to be, if he's playing, he's going to need to be at it all season. I think, I mean, we've kind of touched on all all three of the, the midfield there. and I think we'd all be in agreement that Berger for Lundstrom is the obvious change, but you'd keep Norwood and Fleck in as they are for now. And interestingly, probably the last thing I'd want to say on midfield is I've seen a lot of comment and I've, I've ventured in and got my feet wet and I don't really want to go paddling again in the Facebook groups, but uh, Norwood was getting an absolute hammering from last night. And I'm, I accept that we touched on it earlier, set-piece delivery was terrible. But ultimately... Norwood is the one who drags us into games, who calms things down, like Phil said. And, and I, I just struggle to see anybody who's not seeing what Norwood can bring to this team and why he needs to be a starter, unless his form badly drops off. I don't yeah, know if anyone disagrees with that. that equation is, is Ethan Ampadu as well. Whether we, yeah. we talked about it last pod. He could be it's another a... one that's causing, causing Norwood a threat for his, for his first-team place going forward. I was really surprised, actually, neither of the two Derby um, signings were on the bench last night. I thought, um, especially seeing as both Stevens and Baldock have played every, or started every game last season and, and have played a lot during pre-season, that neither of them was, was there as backup. I'd, I'd expected to have seen them. Yeah. They might not have been up to speed. Based on, was it, I think, Lowe, when he did his first training session, said, we've just done our first training session and it's miles in, it's, basically it's miles in front of what, we've, what we're used to. Chuffed him out, I looked at them and gone, they're not ready yet, you know, in terms of what level of fitness and and, um, and kind of readiness he wants, they might not, neither of them might not be ready in his eyes. Yeah, it's a fair point. It links nicely to who we're playing on Thursday, but if you think about, we always talk about similarities to Burnley, not only, like I know the managers love each other, I know we play different style of football, but Burnley often signed players of that ilk from the league below who were the better players in those teams. And it takes six months to a year to get into the side. I mean, remember when they got Charlie Taylor from Leeds, who at the time was considered one of the hottest like, young properties around. 
went to Burnley. He didn't play for a full year because uh, they still had bloody Phil Barnsley playing left back and various people like that, which is bonkers. God, remember Phil Barnsley. But I, I think it's obvious place that to move on to next, like you say, Ian. Like, like I think we'd all agree that that's where the change for the Villa game in midfield has to come. But the one area which we know needed to be better is somebody to play with McBurney. And Billy Sharp, God love the man, is that combination of Sharp and McBurney isn't working. I don't know what we all think about that. I, I think Sharp just, like you say, love the man for everything he's done for the club. He should have gone at end last season for me. Go out in a blaze of glory. He's never going to recreate what he's done for the last two or three years for us. It's been said that could be his swan song last night and the way he played, it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe I'm being harsh, but it just looks... He doesn't look a player that's going to influence a game in any way whatsoever at the moment. The thing is, even throughout his career... Uh, the, when he was at the absolute pinnacle of his career, he's, he's the sort of player who would have had to be in a hundred percent every game to cut it at Premier League level, and that was when he was 25, 26, 27, peak of his powers. So he's now 33. It, it happens to us all, you know. None of us can do what we could do 10 years ago, uh, unfortunately. And in football, that that, that decline is probably a stronger word. Too strong a word, but that that happens to footballers. You know, you, you can see players who year on year the, the, their abilities drop off, and especially at this level. And there's no, like I said, that's not to dilute his legacy and what he's done for United. But unfortunately, for the for, for the level we're at now, he he isn't good enough. He doesn't offer enough in a game. If you give him a ball, bang on, you know, on on the end of his toe, six yards out, and bang, at, you know, you'd expect him to finish 99 times out of 100. But you can't. You can't justify playing someone on the chance that he's going to get a tap in every every game or every couple of games. We need we need we need someone who's going to score them goals, but also is going to contribute in a big way in other areas of the pitch. And unfortunately, Sharp doesn't do that enough no. anymore. He never has done a lot anyway, but I think he's got better at that as he's got older. But now yeah. I just like I think you're right physically and and I don't know speed of thought. I don't know. He he just doesn't. Doesn't I seem. Think that, on, see, I think that's. I think that's speed of thoughts. One of the things I thought last night. There was a moment, first half, with one of those balls down the channel. They actually put him in down down the left channel, and he got to the ball, and and he think. And I, but I didn't have any sense that anything was going to come of it. Well, you know, and it was a it was a decent ball into a good area, and I just had that. I just kind of turned around to, to the family and just went, oh, nothing's coming at this. I remember the. I know exactly which one you're meaning because I, I think he went in corner. I think Cody went across and just Cody didn't have to do anything. He just yeah. kind of stood his ground and, and basically said to Sharp, "Go on then." It, it was Bowley, wasn't it? It was Bowley. Just kind of walked behind him and just tapped the ball out of play for a corner. Yeah. And Sharp couldn't do anything about it. You look. Yeah. At, he, he he put on a bit of spin for that. So he beat, he uh, didn't do Traore for pace, but somebody was over on that right hand side covering. I think. And he actually carried the ball down the line. But like, then he got to the end and it was just, what do I do here, boys? And I do feel like we have to be a tiny bit fair on how hard it is to play against a team that A, are that good. B, a 2 and up so they can afford to sit down. Uh, sit so, not sit down, sit, sit so deep. Um, but 
that's our job as a team and as a management team to find a solution to. And we were getting, uh, I'd say, more than half chances. Um, Sharp should pass it to Lundstrom and Lundstrom would score. I think we'd all agree that chance would have changed things significantly. It was the end of chance where on TV they were, oh, he needs to be testing Patricia there. I thought it was a bit hard. The Dharma Traore was up my backside. I'd be absolutely terrified. Like, man's a machine. I'd bounce off him and probably break my face on the post. But they, we were getting, Sharp was getting put in. But then talked about the speed of thought. There wasn't any of that. Whereas, dare I say, a Brewster or who knows, certainly a Moussa would get shots off or make a decision quicker. I also think if McBurney had had the opportunities to shoot, would have shot as well. So, Interesting stat on McBurney I saw on Twitter today, by the way, because I know um, he's had quite a bit of criticism from, from different areas. Some of it deserved, some of it I'm not so sure is warranted, but there, there was a stat that he won more aerial duels than any, any other player in the Premier League this game week, which well, I think quite telling. I, well, Telling about the way we played as well as the fact that I think he did try as hard as he could. I've, I've talked about this on the previous pod or, or the one before that where I said I've been listening to another one and statistically for Jules he's right up there in the league and and might have even been Blake's pod actually it said, even in the final third like, fa- like fantastic stats for that I just feel that a player like McBurney I'm not going to say he's a target man so I think he's a bit more than that but that languid approach, the fact that he, he does seem to whinge a bit, which I wish he'd stop doing, but only only when we're losing. I think he'll always divide people and pe- people's affairs. I know you weren't particularly impressed, Dan, with his first yeah, that, It was more first off, and, and like, like Phil says, obviously he won a lot of aerial duels and that's fine. He just I think the first 20, 25 minutes yesterday, at least three or four times, you know, he, he'd come up against one of, one of Wolf's centre-halves and they'd just just dominate him physically and he'd end up complaining to the ref or on his arse or on his knees and hands out in the air and I just thought he needed to be he needed to be stronger he needed to be if he's if he's if he's going to put himself about a bit more he needs to he needs to back into people he needs to he needs to start dominating centre halves and it's all right dominating centre halves in the air by getting a run on him but he's also got to get his get his arse into him like like Jimenez does get his arse into him get his back into him and make them either foul him or don't make it so easy for them to come away with the ball and then complain. That was that was my complaint first off. Thing is, he can do it. He's shown it. He yeah, did he it against Spurs. And, and this is the difference between being a good championship striker and a good Premier League striker. He's got to do that gaming, maybe not gaming game out, but he's got to do that three or four games out of five rather than one or two games out of five. I mean, I think we, I think we will get that out of McBurney because I also think a lot of that attitude, if you will, comes from oh, you've smashed it up to me again. Like the way we were playing. Now, I don't blame the way we played in the first. I, from like after we went two 0 down for twenty minutes or so, I know it's annoying to see us trying to hit diagonal long balls and things. Something we haven't spoke about from the first half. That fleck offside. We'll get to that in a second. But just, you know, launching it forward, it maybe was the only thing we could do to release the pressure. But it's a, it's a thankless task having to chase stuff like that around. And what was noticeable, and we all commented on the fact that Flake seemed closer to the striker second half and that improved things, was the, the gap 
not only between midfield and the striker, but between Sharp and McBurney. It, it, they just don't work as a pair very well. Um, I guess the issue, I guess the challenge we've got now, then over the next couple of games, is unless he can bring somebody in, Musa is out. McGoldrick questioned he obviously wasn't deemed fit enough to start or play longer than he did. And he chose not to use Burke, but the suspicion is he'll, he'll start Burke at, at Burnley. If he starts Burke at Burnley, then he, can you see him being a starter on Monday? If he does well, yeah. I think he's got Hopefully. And how fit he is, I suppose. Yeah, and that's, that's, the, that's the worry at the minute. What are the alternatives? I don't think, he's, I don't think we've got any choice but to bring someone else in. I honestly don't. I think if we, and I don't think we, I don't think we will get to, to the end of the window and, and not have, not have another striker in. But if for some reason we did, I would be I would be concerned because yeah, very much so. Very much. Since today that we've had um we've had a bid turned down by Arsenal for a young kid. Yeah, some oh, young superstar. Florian Balogun. Yeah, that's him. I've never yeah. heard of him. I've got to be honest with you, but I've been yeah. for about four o'clock this afternoon. So and same here. But I interesting that we've bid three million for him. Reportedly, that they're wanting stage payments up to fifteen million. For him. He's, got, he's got one. He's got one more year on his contract. Don't he? The, the, yeah. the concern he's going to run his deal down. But I, I, I kind of, I did a Twitter search on him just to see what Arsenal fans were saying about him, and they're all saying he should have been in the first team by now. He should have been in ahead of Enketia. He's far better than Enketia, and they're all, they're starting to get worried that he's going to walk away for nothing. So I wonder whether Wilde is using that as a. a trunk card almost to try and force Klopp's hand we've seen this before haven't we yeah. or, or it's the way around. he's been using he's been using Brewster as a smoke screen to try and get this kid on the cheap yeah, yeah. he throws Brewster's name out there and he's linked with us Palace Villa and meanwhile Wilder's working on this this lad from Arsenal in the background what I thought he was interesting about Brewster uh, was today there was a number of clubs who were apparently interested in Enrique and um, I don't know let both go. You wouldn't have thought so. It's one or the other. Um, and I've it, not seen enough of Brewster to know what, again, obviously I know he's highly rated, but is he, a, is he a Billy Sharp? Is he a Johnny on the spot? Or is he someone who can pick the ball? Is he someone who can fashion his own chances? I don't, I've, I've not well, seen I've, him. I've no. seen him score a couple of, the couple of the goals he scored for Swansea last season and they were goals that he made himself. But he is also a Johnny on the spot, which is exactly what we were saying about we need someone that can do Sharp's job as well as score goals or create things outside of that. Yeah, because that, that's that's our issue, isn't it? As well, it's we, we talk about you know you wouldn't change that much in the midfield, but we're still lacking the quality into the box and and that that ability around the edge of the box to to just break through a defence with a, a a little little dink, little pass, a little bit of unexpected movement. And the la- the only time in midfield I had a shot last night near the score. Yeah. Because I mean we don't we don't do that, do we? As a rule we don't shoot from midfield. And I know that's because of the system we play and we wait until we wait until the chances is, is, is at its absolute optimum before we before we actually pull the trigger. But there comes a point where we need to change that though. I'm not saying we need to shoot on site and, and change the way we play drastically. But we do need to give teams something else to think about. They need to know that if at the moment it's almost as if a team, if they sit deep on us, they know that we're going to try and keep creating that perfect chance. And it's difficult to do if they're deep enough. We need them to be able to come out because they know that we've got that in our armour as well. And at the moment, we just don't seem to have it. The system allows for midfielders to score. Some of the goals that Lundstrom and Flex scored last season have been 
have shown, especially when, if a team's playing particularly high, the way we play, you get centre-halves back pedalling, the ball across isn't the best one, one that's slightly back into the space is better. But, I mean, we don't need... I think we'd all agree that in terms of how we play generally isn't the issue. It's it's what we said at the start of the, um, start of the summer, end of last season. Uh, arguably in last January, we were having these conversations that in an ideal world, we need a bit more firepower. And and I think probably without going on for, about this for too long, that, that's, that's the problem. If you stand still for too long, you start going backwards. And... We've stood still. That that team that started last night was our strongest team at times last season. And we won games with that team last season. You can't see that team, that 11, picking many points up at all now. And I think we will, I think we will evolve. I think this is all part of an evolution process. And we will, obviously, players will come in. And I, I do think we'll see a change in the style of play over the next 12 to 18 months. And we will become, we will start carry more of a goal threat but part of that needs to start happening fairly quickly you know yeah. we're not going to win as many games 1-0 or 2-1 this season as we did last we need to we need to carry more of a goal threat into games uh, I should I should kind of round that off as well by the way I sound like I've been quite negative in this section of the pod and I actually finished after the game yesterday in quite a positive upbeat mood because I was happy that we'd kept it to 2-0 if that's the right turn of phrase but the, the, reiterate again the way that we showed how we could battle back into a game, albeit not scoring, was pleasing to see. So as as disappointing as it is and frustrating as it is, it's not all bad. And I think, I think we need to keep that in mind going forward. I think it's understandable and it's acceptable for people to be negative. And there seems to be this there seems to be this swell of opinion on Twitter at the minute that you're not allowed to be negative in any way, shape or form. You're not allowed to criticise anything we do, any of the signings, any of the potential signings, because, and I'm doing air quotes, Tufty knows best. I get that. But that doesn't mean that people who've watched football for, if you just take the four of us here, for a combined 100 years plus, aren't entitled to an opinion on how we've played any signings we might make, any current players, or whether we've played shit or not. He's getting back to the good old days of the Blades Mad, or what was it before Blades Mad, the, the old forum that was on Blades, before that? Uh, Blades United. Well, I can't, it might have been that. I think it was something else, I can't remember what it was called, but the old clappers and the... Um... Happy clapping, no. But the, the thing happy is... Clappers and, happy clappers and... Was it, you went slashers, were it? Slashers, slashers, slashers. yeah, that was yeah. it. Clappers and slashers. Yeah. And uh, it, Certainly not as binary as that. You're allowed an opinion. Yeah. I think I agree, Dan, 100%. I just find that, like most things, like how reactionary we are winds me up. And so, for example, I, well, I, I didn't tweet loads about it. I tweet, did one tweet, bad start, terrible game. That draw a line under it, but stop mate, mate, tweeting mental suggestions about certain players. Like there was one, uh, they've been legends, but... Basham, Norwood, arguably Fleck and Sharp all need to go now. If we get rid of those four, we who are we gonna play? Keen Bryan. Like we need like we need to add players, we need to add quality. Of course we do. And I agree that if the idea Phil said about standing still. But Wilder said himself he wants to improve the squad. The Prince has, but we're limited. And I do think in light of the honest and transparent message from the club on 
the chairman level, but also from the manager. I do think we, there's a difference, isn't there, between having a having an opinion on something and then just fighting bile at the first sign of of negativity of something bad happening. And that I will think, I think over the next two or three seasons, all those players you just mentioned, then Fleck, Norwood, Basham, Sharp. If you mention another one, they will get replaced and upgraded. If we that's say true. where we are, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's just how it happens. But I wouldn't, be, I certainly wouldn't be advocating wholesale get rid of five of the six of the starting eleven all at once style changes. Yeah. And that's the that's the thing we we got quite a bit off our chest in what's on WhatsApp in that first half last night. And you, you're right, there was some reaction. There was probably some reaction stuff in hindsight looking right now. But at the time, it 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 felt it felt bad. It it I and. You did wonder where that match was going to go. As Phil said, I think by the end of it, I felt better. I thought if Fleck had scored and we got back to 2-1, and it, well, we can say what would happen if it had been 2-1 with a crowd in the ground, but even get back to 2-1 last night, I felt we might have got back into it. You know, it might have just knocked them back and we would have just got a, a second wind and, and gone again. But today, I feel in a... I'm not happy with loss. I'm never happy with loss, but I feel a bit more... Sort of sanguine about it, a bit more reflective, and actually, you know, you cut out some mistakes that uncharacteristic mistakes, and reflect on the fact that Wolves. Let's be honest, a bloody good side. I know we were all, to, you know, we were generally the message last week was we think we can win this, but I think we were thinking Wolves was coming to it a bit colder than what they did. You know, we just need to we need to learn from it and move on. But we do need to deal with the issues at the top end of the pitch, and and that's that that's that's my kind of negative and the one thing that we need to do something constructive about. Agreed. Yeah, hundred percent. Is it worth us just running around quickly, man of the match? We had a bit of a chat on the WhatsApp, and we're going to nominate a man of the match every match. But I think we end up in a bit of a bit of a stalemate across <laughs> across the four of us and across the extended four blades group. So. Yeah. Well, I, I said, but um, I, I think just just off. perhaps explain a little bit more about what we're going to do this season as well. So we're going to yeah. we're going to have a player of the year at the end of the season based on how these votes go. Is that right? Yeah. So we'll just accumulate the votes across the four of us and probably the, the four guys who are uh, sat, sat on the bench tonight for us who, who appear on the pod from time to time as well. Um, and then we'll just add up the votes at the end of the season. So if we end up with a man of the match, great. As as we'll find here, and I think it probably reflects. I guess of course the paucity of standout candidates last night that we ended up with such a, a diverse range of views. So yeah, I went, I went for Baldock just because I feel defensively he he was solid, he was up and down. Yeah, right. The final ball's not amazing. Dan and Phil are, are laughing and at me. Uh, no, but, no, no. I was laughing at Ian. Ian dropped something. You just see him say, oh, in the background, but I don't know what he did. Oh, right. I didn't see that. <laughs> I, just took, I just chucked half a can of salted caramel Lucaria from Thornbridge all over the table and made <laughs> Right, can we have a free case of Thornbridge, please, since we're name-dropping on, uh, on the podcast? No, in all, in all seriousness, I thought Baldock, I think he, did, he was magnificent defensively. Uh, I went for Baldock as well. For, for everything you said, defensively, I thought he was great. I just wish he could but his final ball better. If he did cross, he wouldn't play for us. He would have gone to Spurs in the summer. But yeah, there we are. Uh, and, that, and he should have maybe finished as well. It's one of those. That Baldock chance, he almost had too much time to actually go, oh, it's broken to me. No one's here. I'm going to wipe this in the... Oh, 
Yeah. Did not. Who did you go for, Dan? Hello. Ian, who did you go for? Well, I went. I went for Fleck, and I think uh, Dan went along with me as well on Fleck. I just thought of the starters. Fleck was the one who most likely, obviously, had the chance as well, but was the one most likely to make things happen. Like I say, had had a much better second half. Um, Yeah, so it was John Fleck for me. And then I think looking outside on, on the bench, we had two nominations for McBurney and two nominations for Sanderberger as well, which um, split the vote. So there's no, I can say a four joint men of the match as such for this one and they'll all carry the, the votes forward for the rest of the season. And uh, well, we've got that out of the system and uh, hopefully we can talk, even though we tried to be purposely not that negative, with a bit more positivity about a empty ground at Turf Moor for a 5.30 kickoff in the League Cup on Thursday. Hey, trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being clean. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fe- fellas are blade too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader page. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. Go on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www.com glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them round yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their industry again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service, and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. Welcome back, everyone, to part two. Uh, in this part, we're going to obviously preview the, the cup game on Thursday night. We've got Burnley at Turf Moor, um, and what we think the, the team might be, any significant changes, and our chances of progressing through to the next round. Uh, so, Ian, thoughts on uh, on the team? Um, thoughts on the team? I'm, I'm kind of torn because I always say that I want us to progress and win every game we get go out to play. But I do wonder whether we need a cup run at the minute and whether we need to be going into um, another match middle of next week. I think changes, yeah, I would make them. I think you've got to give, try and give starts to Ampadu to... Uh, I'd give Robinson game time, especially given how Jack played. I'd change. I would change the fullback. I'd make some changes and give some of those backup players some time, match time to to get fit and be ready to come and step in as, as and when they need to. Because I do wonder, given given some of the feelings going forward, we saw from Baldock last night, whether will my suggestion that we might see bogle make an impression earlier than we might expect this season might start to come to fruition but we'll see i'd, I'd love george to keep his place keep the, you know pick it back up but um I think I think I think 
I think I said earlier on in the group that your your suggestion that Bogle might get in into the side was was fairly prescient after watched that last night. And I know Phil and John gave gave Baldock man of the match last night, and I can see why. But the problem is, he's as I put on the, the notes for this today, he's Cafu up to the edge of the penalty area, and then pure Kozluk once he gets beyond it in terms of what he does. So. I misheard you then. I thought you said Pierre Kozluk. I was wondering who his French international was. But yeah, I think you're right. I think possibly Low and Bogle will both come in on uh, on Thursday. I think I think Ampadu will as well. I think. Um, who do you think Ampadu comes in for then? Basham or possibly Norwood? Norwood. Right. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Could be Basham, I suppose. Do you, in that case, do we think maybe uh, Jackwell and or Rod uh, Jay Elkrow and or Rodwell might come in as well? I don't see him changing the entire back five, so I don't see I don't see his lining up with a back five of Bogle, Low, Ampadu, Jagielka, Robinson. You know, I, I think two absolute maximum three, both fullbacks and one of the centre halves, or Burke as well. I mean, I know you're talking I about. Think- I mean, Tufty pretty much said in his interview that he'll he'll get minutes against Burnley, so I think he'll almost certainly come in. And I would imagine again, depending on fitness, possibly for Sharp, that would make more sense to have someone like Burke who's quick, feeding off McBurney's flick-ons and knockdowns. Yeah, I, I think like you say, you, hopefully Burger can get more game time, even if he doesn't play the full game. He starts to get you know in a position where he can have more of an impact potentially on. On Monday, as well. Um, I I think he will make some changes. I think Fodderingham will play, Robinson will play, Jags will play, the two fullbacks will play. Maybe someone like Bash keeps his place, or unless Ampadu plays there, and he fancies giving that a spin. So or, I think I think O'Connell starts purely because of what we said earlier that he's had no football. Yeah. Maybe Os- Osborne will get minutes. What we have to remember as well is that game come the next league game comes Monday. Um, so it's the tournament. Bear in mind Villa as well. I know they've had the game tonight. They didn't have a game at the weekend, so that Villa have got six days to get ready for. We're going to have four days to get ready for them and bed in some new players. It's it's an interesting one. I I think Osborne plays. I think Burke plays. I think McGoldrick might need minutes. I didn't consider the O'Connell thing, Phil, but then, I, I don't know. I do think Fodderingham will play as well. So, we'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe we'll go for a stronger side. Uh, but what a point I do want to make about the game is um, what I do think plays into our hands a little bit, not necessarily for a result, but to make the exercise actually worthwhile is, if we're, at, like, we all would have gone and we would have hated it and it would have been crap. But if we had, it, it, under normal circumstances, Lincoln at home, four and a half thousand people there. He makes 11 changes. We don't know anything about the side, etc. The players aren't up for it. We're going to Premier League ground, we're playing against Premier League players. It's a good test. It's even if it does serve as an extended friendly. Yeah, I'd love to see us win the cup. But at the moment, until we've got a few more points on the table in the league, I'd rather us have a tilt at the FA Cup if we're in decent position than the League Cup, always, anyway. Um, but I just think having a better quality of opposition is something that really might actually be a good thing. The only thing about the league...
don't want to keep too much silence. Dan seems to have frozen. I don't quite know what he was saying. Have I, have I frozen again? Yeah. You're back now, mate. I was saying none of the none of the sides that are in Europe this season are competing in the League Cup. They are. They're joining the third round. I thought that, but it, it was a mis. Well, unless I've read two wrong reports, but I I said that a couple of weeks ago, and Alan sent me a a, a link to a newspaper article saying where they they come in in the third round. All right. Okay. Right. In that case, then. Right. That make that's different. I thought you know. Obviously, you take Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs out of that. You've got a good tilt at it. Whereas it'll probably end up being exactly the same again. They'll play their reserves up until semi-final. Play the strongest eleven. It'll be Chelsea, Man City in final or something. So yeah, as per usual. I think John's right. I think what whilst a cup run would be lovely, especially under the current circumstances, staying in the Premier Leagues. It's important every season, but yeah, this season's going to be difficult. I think this season's going to be harder for us to stay up than last, and a cup run could jeopardise that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What do we What do we think scoreline wise then? I'd like to see us score a few goals, and I don't care if they score more. I'd just like to see us build a build some attacks and put the ball in. So I'm going to go for an optimistic two one to United. I thought you said goal. I was, I was expecting 4-3 there or something. I was going to say I was expecting, you know, 9-4 or something. <laughs> I'm going to go 2-2, by the way. And uh, and it'll go to penalties and United will scrape through. I'm going 1-1. Penalties. Uh, yeah, nick it on penalties. I'm going 1-1. Lose on penalties. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. They might get a penalty shootout. It seems to be a lot of um, a lot of people predicting one. There's been quite a few in the games tonight, so I guess Phil's just been enjoying, by the way, before we start this section, uh, Wayne Hennessy scoring a penalty. Apparently he's done a Simonson, so if you've not seen that in the uh, cup roundup, um, and wants to relive that cheery day at Wembley, give that a year, give that a look. Or just relive Wayne Hennessy pointing at where the ball was going. Just Google that. <laughs> Just doing a babe, doing a Babe Ruth and calling his shot. <laughs> <laughs> he was just trying to get the waitress's attention. So, welcome back to the final part of tonight's pod. Um, we haven't done it for a while, so we're uh, rather than having a Hall of Fame, we're going to go back to the other feature of the Club 1867. So we're going to banish something, um, something we don't like, something we're going to get rid of forever. It's going to go into our room 1867, never to be seen again. Um, we've had some crackers in this in the past, so let's see what we can come up with. John, what do you reckon? Uh, well, I couldn't help but notice that the uh, S6 proportion of um of twitter woke up last night between six and nine o'clock and shared a few things and one one thing that i would love to banish to a club 1867 i always like to go with a wednesday thing uh, and there was a there was a gentleman whose twitter account pops up in front of me a few times called lord hillsborough and he often uses the phrase massive and that for me was something that Dan, remember when Dan described Wilder as a strange alchemist, but um, 
Gary Megson is a sociopathic ginger prick, right? And he invented that to sell a fake dream about a football club. It worked for a bit, and yeah, he built a team that beat us to promotion from League One. Not to win the European Cup or the Premier League or the FA Cup, it was to get out of League One uh, by one more goal and got sacked in the process of doing that. And, he, and then they started calling themselves massive. And if you question a Wednesday fan with statistics, logic, or anything about massive, the response is always, but we just are. So I'd like to put the word massive in Club 1867. And that knob, Lord Hillsborough, for bringing it to my attention again last night. Can we include I mean, Gary Megson in it as well? Put it well, in Meg, as well? I think Megson's already in. He's Free pass. He's, he's, he's long gone. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seen some of the animations that that guy shares appear retweeted on my timeline. I thought you were going to go for massive hard drive deletion because I think that's what, probably what he needs to do. <laughs> I've even seen Wednesday fans accused of that. I mean, Jay Dunkley was uh, congratulating Wolves on their victory last night. The for avoidance of doubt, Jay Dunkley signed from Wigan by Wednesday centre half. Um, I'm glad you cleared that up because I keep seeing this this guy that people are responding to today with a Wednesday shirt on. Absolutely no idea who he is, so I'm glad you've cleared yeah. that up. Well, and, and, and so he, he, just, he described himself as a fisherman. So this Lord Hills just created this like gif of him fishing. And it's just like, have you got, I don't, I don't think the guy's got a job. He can't have. He must just sit at his computer all day doing stuff. The old, the old hours fishing defence. Make yeah. an informative statement on Twitter. Get called out for being a massive bellend and then claim you were fishing all along. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's like how somebody responded to him showing him the the own goal he scored in front of the cop at Bramall Lane a couple of years ago for Wigan. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I, I'm I'm with you, massive. Just just been it, you know. It can go alongside Megson for me. Fair dues, Dan. You got anything to add? Uh, yeah, mine is. It's more of a general football one. Mine uh, and mine is, and obviously it's been brought into uh, brought into focus. Dan's just, uh, John's just showing us a video from Lord Hillsborough. So if anybody wants to go and check his tweet, his Twitter account out, just go and give him loads of shit. Sorry, Dan, go on. It's all right. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a habit of commentators and co-commentators. Obviously, it's been brought more into focus recently when every game has been on TV. And it's commentators getting either a fact or a phrase or a statistic and absolutely fucking riding it until the wheels fall off. So... Uh, Andy Inchcliffe's a big favourite of this, you know, Wolves, are, Wolves, Wolves score a lot in the second half, Wolves score a lot in the second half, Wolves score a lot in the second half. And even last night, with, I think within the first 10 minutes, both the commentator and the co-commentator must have mentioned that Conor Cody had a loan spell at Sheffield United six years ago. It, every time he touched the ball and it was getting right up my clacker within... Ten, within 10 minutes, I was kind of ready to mute everything. Never mind, never mind muting the, the fake crowd noise. I was ready to mute the core commentator. So, yeah, it's more of a general annoyance at just football commentators picking a phrase, picking a statistic, and absolutely, like I said, riding it until the wheels fall off. That was Andy Inchcliffe last night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was only him that was saying it. it was the commentator, whoever the commentator was. It was him that said it three or four times. I commented on that as well while we were watching it. Just stop it. <laughs> You've said it once. You've made that. You've made the connection. Yes, there's a link between the two, the, the, the player and the club. Done. That's it. Not to mention Inchcliffe. It like 
Vag nose. The man's got an ass on the end of his nose. Why? Why does he, like, I just don't understand why he's not being refreshed. But saying that, the fact that Sky have modernised their satin coverage with Tony Pulis and Tim Sherwood tells you everything you need to know about what they're thinking moving forward. That's genius, by the way. Whoever that betting firm is that started their own with uh, Phil Thompson, Charlie Nicholas and Matt Letizio, that's genius. It's got to be Paddy Power, surely. It, I think it is Paddy Power, yeah. Yeah, Letizio is there to uh, reach out to certain community groups with his uh, <laughs> views and world, view, world, uh, world appreciation on the big issues. Stick to football, Matt. Stick to football. Lizard people running the moon, that kind of thing. Yeah. He's kind of I think, I think they, run, they probably run, the, run Guernsey, don't they, lizard people? <laughs> Dear me. I, I've, got, I've got a nomination for Club 1867. Um, and it, it, I, I knew it was going to happen, but it's happened after the first game. Aaron Ramsdale is not Dean Henderson, for fuck's sake. Stop comparing them. Stop doing it now because it's going to get more and more annoying all season. I've seen people on Twitter doing it already after last night. Just stop it, please. Let him be his own own keeper, for fuck's sake. Run over. Yeah, I I mean, it's tiresome, Phil, and and it's going to get worse. I mean, I've seen people retweeting stuff like that. Some grief people have given Henderson or whatever. Right? Some my new fans saying, "Oh, stop posing! Not good enough for us, etc." Just like it's gone, it's gone. Let it go. Uh, and it, although we're not going to clamour for him back, cause it won't happen. But I remember Dan using the phrase "gone full John Brayford," and, and we're in really in danger of that. That we're going to have people turning up at his house or following his every minute. Oh, Dino likes SUFC's tweets, and that actually means there's a chance in January he's coming back, and it's gone. This is a balloon. Let it go. I've just signalled the letting go of a balloon for the podcast listeners. I couldn't agree more. Oh, they look like Leeds fans have with Ben White, do we? No. Or oh, when- oh, are you, are you, are you trying to say are you trying to say a great number of our fans are like the old manning up? <laughs> <laughs> just drifting away on a balloon. It is, just, but it, I, we might say we did it with Braithwaite. We, we do it with players, and we get obsessed with players who used to play for us coming back. Regardless, at some point, I think know. all clubs do, don't they? I think I think that's, I remember Wednesday being signing Ben Marshall for the last nineteen transfer windows. He believed in the massive dream, didn't he? Good old Ben. Never came back though, because you're not massive. You delusional pricks. Sorry. Well, that, that could be quite an interesting vote. Let's see where this goes, um, Ian. I'm sure you'll get that on the on the Twitter poll soon enough. With yeah, I will do. I've um, I guess by. My nomination's probably not got much of a chance against this, but your comment earlier watching the penalty shootout just brought back a foot of bad memories. And I'd like to put Steve Simonson's penalty at Wembley in Club 1867. We're stood, not going to put Steve stood, Simonson in Club 1867. Yeah, let's put him in there. I don't think, we couldn't put the penalty because it's somewhere in orbit, so <laughs> we'd, have to, we'd have to send Tim Peake up or something to try and locate it in, in orbit. Um, you couldn't have been in 1867 either because he claimed he were pushed on the way in. <laughs> you know, he's he's still chasing ref around. Yeah, chasing ref saying he shouldn't be allowed in. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, that was one of the longest days my football watching life sat in a sun trap or stood in a sun trap at Wembley. 
slowly getting sunstroke to to sit through the worst penalty shootout I've ever seen, to be rounded off by him, launching it somewhere out the roof. Yeah, thanks. You brought that back to me, Phil. Sorry, it was, just, it was horrible. Don't well, blame me. Blame Wayne Hennessy. It weren't me that did it. Well, no, you were watching it. Give us a running counter. I think it started off as a really good penalty shootout. Oh, sorry? I said it started off as a really good penalty shootout. We should have won that. We should have never even oh, got to Simpson, yeah. should it? No, but like, like, ah. I'm just putting him in. <laughs> Fair dues. I like that. Was it? So I remember coming out of Leighton Orient after he dropped the ball in the last minute, and Matt jokingly phoned up his missus and said, Emma, I'm going to have to leave you because this is just appalling. I'm so angry about Steve Simonson. I'm going to have to leave you. <laughs> Didn't get down that well, funny enough, but it weren't appropriate banter. I personally found it hilarious. But, um, <laughs> the, real, the real devil, Dan, in that penalty shootout is your friend that when we played Clyde, we... Fucking Lego head. Oh, that was a good afternoon. Well, it was Penalty specialist. Andy Taylor, penalty specialist. And then, was it before that or during that season, came out and did an article, I think it was an interview in the Starways, like, oh, well, uh, I'm so sorry for letting the fans down with my atrocious injury record. I really love this club. I bet you fucking do. You've been on about four grand a week, sat at home on your bloody arse. Lego head. <laughs> So, I think we've got four good nominations there. I'll put them on the Twitter vote in once we've got the pod live. Strong, so strong, strong field. So, just to recap, massive from me. Anyone else want to? Dan's frozen again, but as it was commentators hanging on the same point over and over again. Uh, mine was uh, comparing. Aaron Ramsdale to Dean Anderson, or just pining for former players, I think is probably as good a good a point on that. I'm lying with Steve Simonson. Oh, what a foul right. Shoved. Steve Simonson. So, uh, yeah. Boys, are we watching the game at half past five on Thursday? I've got 10 sure, crystals ready and waiting to spend on it. Is it a tenner then? Because... Just uh, we we seem a bit confused about it. I think it yeah, was. I, I thought I'd say it was a tenner to stream through Carabao's website. Did you get oh, a, we get a free energy drink with it. <laughs> Consistent in our banter, and if nothing else, the hell with the same joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be another bad game to watch, and we're edging closer towards the weekend to hopefully see us beat Villa on Monday. We're looking to maybe record something on Sunday for you to preview the Villa game. Found that quite a cathartic experience anyway, gents, as always. So hopefully the listeners have too. Uh, and I suppose we just have to... Catharsis. I want some I want some happy. Yeah, well we'll hopefully get that against Burnley in the in the Carabao Cup. Sounds good to me. Been a pleasure. All the blades. All the blades. All the blades. All the blades. If you go to a pub in Ireland. You have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the bubble on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'll take Peroni as well.